and welcome to the IEAM podcast. I'm Jenny Shaw. The world's growing population increases the already heavy demand on mineral resources on land. And so people are looking once more to the minerals found on the ocean floor, sometimes buried thousands of meters below the surface. The November 2018 issue contains a critical review about deep sea mining. And today we're talking to lead author Andrea Kuczynski to learn more. Andrea is a professor at Jacobs University in Germany. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for chatting with us. Hi, Jenny. Thank you for inviting me to participate in this interview. My co-authors and I feel very honored that our article has been selected for this podcast. Uh, well, thank you. We're, we're actually very excited to learn more about deep sea mining. This is not a topic that we cover very regularly, but it sounds like it could be in the near future. Now, your article mentions that commercial deep sea mining was thought to be economically unfeasible for, for more than 20 years. What has changed? Yeah, so um, the fact that um, there are vast mineral deposits on the seafloor with very valuable metals is not new. In the 1960s and 1970s, there was the idea that deep sea mining could solve the resource problems of the future, and then metal prices went down and uh, also for scientists, for example, there was no way of getting research money for doing further research into resource potential and potential environmental impacts of deep sea mining. But for quite some time, um, the metal prices have been rising and uh, there have been new technologies developed and tested that could be applied to deep sea mining. Also, a lot of new technologies have come up for producing renewable energy um, or electromobility that require non-renewable resources like metals. And uh, we know that they are bound in large concentrations in deep sea minerals. And in the beginning, there was also uh, no real proper legal framework, but the International Seabed Authority has made significant progress in developing the mining code, which would, of course, be a prerequisite for starting commercial deep sea mining. I think it's a it's an important point that you bring up that renewable techniques are are dependent on non-renewable resources. Yes, and I think this is something that is often overlooked. And whenever we need new resources, this will require the extraction of resources and extraction of resources always goes along with an environmental impact. And at this point, we know that the deep sea is a complex and fragile environment. What are some of the potential disruptions that can result from mining activity? Well, to answer this question, we must really differentiate between the different types of deposits and their special associated habitats, because another misconcept is that people often think there is just one type of deep sea mining. But this is not correct. We really have to consider ferromanganese nodule occurrences, ferromanganese crust and seafloor massive sulfide separately. Because they're very different with respect to how they form, what metals they contain, where they occur, what the required mining technologies would be, and also what the environmental impact of mining would be. If you have a quick look at the seafloor where the manganese nodules occur, it may look like a desert, but this is actually not true. We have a low density of individuals, but the biodiversity is very high. We have mobile organisms that can move around. And we have sessile organisms that sit on, for example, the ferromanganese crust, and they require this hard substrate to grow on. We have sediment-dwelling fauna, which lives to 90% in the upper 10 centimeters of the sediment, which, of course, would be most impacted by a mining equipment. Generally, in the dark deep sea with the low temperatures, the low metabolic rate and the long reproduction times are very special challenges. 
which make uh, an environmental impact and recovery very difficult to assess. Now, how does mining in the deep sea compare to mining on land? First of all, again, whenever mining takes place, it will go along with an environmental impact. Mineral resources form over millions and millions of years, and they are non-renewable in human time scales. However, I mentioned uh, many possible negative consequences of deep sea mining, but it may also offer a few advantages over land mining, because land mining often goes along with a significant destruction of ecosystems like rainforests or sensitive coastal ecosystems. And it also often negatively impacts the local people who have to be dislocated and often just suffer from the environmental degradation, but do not really profit from the income due to mining. In deep sea mining, no people are directly impacted. So this may potentially be an advantage. Also, a big problem in land mining is often the creation of acid mine drainage. And this will not happen in, in, in deep sea mining. It's a difficult question, and um, I often people try to answer it in the sense of looking at ecosystem services, so how much service provides the affected ecosystem. But another question is service to whom? Do we only consider the humans, or do we also consider the ecosystem itself as, an, as a system that is uh, valuable enough to be considered worth protecting? One area that you were not able to touch on in this article, and, and you and your co-authors mentioned that, there's the extraction of the resources, and then there's the processing. And what are the environmental impacts that would result from the actual processing? This is a, a very, very important topic. And, uh, well, both the, the, the costs and the environmental impacts of the processing are very often underestimated, and people mostly look at the mining um, itself. But... In fact, the costs for processing the metals will be higher than mining the metals from the seafloor, plus the environmental impact. We know that very well from land mining because here the processing happens in a very similar way. Um, the environmental impact is often even more severe because a lot of chemicals are required to extract the metals from the mineral deposits. And for deep sea minerals, we here even have the big problem that there is no proven technology yet for ferromanganese nodules, for extracting, for example, the rare earth elements. The problem of the big difference for ferromanganese nodules compared to all other deposits that have been mined so far is that this is a very complex mineral mixture. We do not have any discrete minerals that we could separate mechanically, but everything is strongly intergrown into one kind of like amorphous mass of minerals, which includes all the different metals. Actually, the whole periodic table, more or less, at different concentrations. And um, of course, if we want to approach a sustainable mining, we do not want to mine the nodules only for cobalt, nickel and copper, which make just 3% of the nodule and throw the rest away. But we want to extract as much as possible, including the rare earth elements, the tellurium, the platinum. But how to extract it in an efficient way that is technically feasible, economically feasible, and does not create too many environmental problems, that is still completely unclear. And a lot of research is actually needed here to solve these questions first, before we really think of um, extracting huge amounts of firming these nodules from the seafloor without knowing what to do with it afterwards. How might it look if we have uh, a deep sea mining for these minerals and we have different kinds of regulatory bodies governing the, the different sites? Can you tell us a little bit more about how that might work? 
Yeah, for the international waters, which are also known as the area, um, this is uh, relatively clear on what the process is. So here the International Seabed Authority develops uh, the exploration and exploitation rules and codes that would be binding for all entities that have made a contract with the International Seabed Authority. These regulations will be binding for all parties and all activities that happen in the international waters. However, outside the area, which means in the areas with a national jurisdiction, the coastal states have the exclusive rights over the exclusive economic zones and the continental shelves to exploit their natural resources. And so the, here, the rules of the International Seabed Authority would not be binding. Although the UNCLOS, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Seas, would um, actually require the member states to harmonize their national policies with the regulations from the ISA and subject them to accepted international rules and standards, this is not yet binding and there have not been any serious efforts so far to do this. The same is true for the processing of the marine minerals, because the processing will not happen on the ship in the international waters, but um, the minerals will be transported on land, and the processing will probably happen in the neighboring Pacific states. And uh, so here, in principle, the national rules of the countries apply. And if there the environmental standards and work standards are very low, then yeah, there can be a huge effort of the International Seabed Authority to provide the highest environmental standard and best practice as possible. Um, but this is then only part of the story. Wow. So there are a lot of components in development that would need to progress a lot further to make deep sea mining a reality. There are still a lot of unknowns. And uh, there is also a lot of research necessary Oh, that was also one of our initiatives for this article. I mean, we have observed in the past that a lot of disciplinary investigations and research has been carried out, but we think that there is really the need to have a holistic view on the whole topic of deep sea mining and to combine the different disciplines and see how economy may affect technological development and how those may then impact um, environmental impacts. So that's why we call for true interdisciplinary or even transdisciplinary research. I hope that this podcast will help to, to bring more light into this very complex topic. We hope so, too. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. You've been listening to Andrea Koshinsky discuss her article, Deep Sea Mining, Interdisciplinary Research on Potential Environmental, Legal, Economic, and Societal Implications. Access the article in the November 2018 issue of IEAM. Just go to SeaTacJournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.